0: Hello everyone, I'm so grateful that you're here. The Brush is a lounge for women, a place where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. I'm Monique Walker, welcome to The Brush. Everyone, welcome to The Brush. I'm your host, Monique Walker. The Brush is a podcast for women where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. Today, our conversation is about sexless relationships in the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic. And I have some amazing guests with me. You know, we talk to women a lot, but today, because relationship means more than one person. I have invited husband and wife, Iyana and Aise Mayat to our show. Can you help me welcome them? Hello, guys. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hello. Thank you for having
0: us. Yes, we're happy to be
1: here.
0: Did I get them names right?
1: you got it you got it
0: (laughs) that's so important okay guys um she okay everybody she is a licensed psychotherapist and clinical social worker and certified marriage and relationship educator specializing in couples and family work in the state of maryland and the district of columbia he is a certified functional family therapist and licensed graduate social worker also, a certified marriage and relationship educator specializing in couples and family work. Now, get this, everybody, they are high school sweethearts and have been together for 24 years and married for 17. Woohoo! I'm
1: thrilled <laughs> <really laughs> about
0: that. Oh my God. Okay, so first of all, how are you guys holding down for this pandemic?
1: we are maintaining um you know it's one thing to be (laughs) holding it down with um you know with your sweetheart and you know one of the most beautiful things is having somebody that i'm so connected with and i've been connected with for the past 24 years it's another thing to be holding it down with five children um and so you know we're maintaining you know making sure that we try to keep our heads above water and um, trying to manage the stress trying to help them manage their stress and We're really trying to make sure we take care of each other mentally and emotionally during this time period as well.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, from what I can tell of what I've seen of what you share online, it seems like, you know, you that deep connection means everything, even to how you connect with your children. But during this pandemic, there have been situations where. You know, that connection is evident that it's not there. And that's why I mm-hmm. wanted to have this conversation uh, today about, um, you know, sex and, and just relationships and how in, 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 a, in a pandemic, how do relationships hold up? Our topic today is sexless relationships in marriages in light of the pandemic, the stay home. And so, first of all, I'd like to get you to talk to me about what is a sexless relationship. Okay, so, yeah, so this, this, this
2: concept of sexless relationships, and um, the research has also coined a term um, called marital bed death for those who are married. And mm-hmm. it's really just really paying attention to the fact that there are many couples that um, are in a relationship and they have had um no sex at all uh like if it's within the 90 days or more they're they're considered to be a sexless relationship there Mm -hmm. are lots of folks who will have sex once a month twice a month every other month and while for many folks they they may say oh that's that's not enough it is enough for them they have um, some level of regularity even if it is once a month or every other month but when you get into Um, 60 and 90 days, and you're not having sex. And we have worked with folks um, who have not had sex for a year, two years, three years, four years. um, Mm -hmm. And there are lots of causes for that. But um, that is a sexless relationship. It is a a danger zone for many relationships, but it is much more common than I think a lot of folks realize. I think people who are in the situation have a lot of um, shame about it and don't talk about it. So they don't necessarily know that, oh, guess what, you're you're not in this club by
0: yourself. There are a lot of folks who are walking around um, in relationships, uh, but they're not having sex. Right. And so I think I read somewhere that statistically this makes up about 15% of the world's population, that 15% of marriages are existing this way. And so with this pandemic, uh, what is happening in households as there are now only three acceptable reasons for leaving the house? Essential workers, shopping for basic necessities, emergency medical, and uh, booty calls are not on the list. And there's nothing on the list for people who are cohabitating r- n- relationships where you're kind of going in and out or uh, what, what? what's going on with that situation when we have a mix, a mismatch in this sexless relationship type of thing. Who who should be having sex right now? <laughs> well, well, you know, actually, but before I even say uh, answer that particular
2: piece, I think the thing for folks to really think about is that whatever we have going on in our relationships day to day, as we, you know, pre pre the pandemic, and we carried out and went out, to, out the house and went to work or, you know, did whatever activities we did, we had all of these breaks and all of this space in between um, the times where we interface with our partner. Um, and so now what's happened, uh, Monique, is that folks are in the house and whatever the state was of your relationship, the parts that perhaps you were not of focusing on so closely you weren't paying attention to, Um, Mm -hmm. for example, um, not just the disconnect sexually, but the disconnect emotionally, um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily even knowing what your partner was doing from day to day, not really involved in their lives, all of that stuff gets intensified. So whatever your current state was prior to the pandemic, All of that becomes intensified and it's right in your face if you all are well connected beforehand you guys um not that you're going to have no you know uh uh, irritating moments or or kind of friction but that becomes even more intensified if there's a disconnect um, it becomes more intensified so um, for those who are in the house now and they weren't having sex prior to um guess what the way that the that the steam perhaps was being released for not having that was in, um, you know, having some time out of the house on your own, being able to find um, other ways, even though it was not sexually um, stimulating, other ways to be able to go out and connect with other folks and to talk with friends and to go to work, um, perhaps even having some level of privacy because a lot of folks, um, whether they are having sex or not, um, may engage in masturbation or self-pleasure. So mm-hmm. having some space some for you know, your partner's not in the house. So Mm -hmm. you can have that space to do what you need to do. Now, all of a sudden, all of that has been taken away. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's this intense um, kind of energy that's happening where folks know they're not having sex, but the feelings that have always been there, feelings of resentment, Mm -hmm. feelings of um, not being cared about, feelings of frustration, those things, it's hard to leave out the house and have a place for those things to go. Um, Now Mm -hmm. it's all right there with you and, and folks are in a danger zone um because
0: they're like whoa like this is this is this is more than I realized it was because it's right in my face. Right. And so then we've got the pandemic or COVID 19 they're saying it is a war that we are fighting that we cannot see. And then in addition to that this is a non visible war that's going on as well that could get played out physically. Am I right?
1: yes absolutely and when Mm -hmm. we say a invisible war that gets played out um physically um in your relationship specifically as it pertains to sex i think the thing um to keep in mind as my wife just so eloquently mentioned um you know it's almost as if like all of our problems and baggage and relationship issues were neatly tucked away in our front pockets um back Mm -hmm. pockets shirt pockets and our purses but then when you throw those things in the wash um you know all of the issues get exposed it all comes out in the wash and so you know during this time period again those issues that were neatly tucked away get exposed and as a result we're forced to confront it because this pandemic is making us bunker down and really get real about some issues that are present in our relationship
0: and so in your in your practice because you know this is a tender conversation this is vulnerability in your um in your practice who is the, how do you start this conversation? How do you, because now there's no escape. There's no, oh, I got to run to the office. I I was watching Little Fires uh, this week. I don't know if you've seen that um, new series that's out. And there was a couple on the uh, the show, there's one of the couples, Reese Witherspoon's uh, uh, character, actually, they talk about, the couple talks about Uh, they have dates for, you know, days of the week when they have sex. But even to get to the place to where you have a date and a schedule, where do you begin the conversation? Because a lot of times these things don't happen or you don't find out about them until you are in a committed relationship. What happens now?
1: So I think the thing to keep in mind is that Um, Generally speaking, um, couples don't just stop having sex. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a gradual process um, to you arriving at a place of being in a sexless marriage. Mm -hmm. And so the conversation was probably, in most situations, started a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, The conversation may have not been followed through on, and um, there's been no consistency for a lot of couples in terms of lifting it back up and putting it back on the table. But the conversation usually began a long time ago when somebody neglected to respond, avoided mm-hmm. responding or gave a response that led the other partner to shut down and, and make a decision not to re-engage or attempt to engage in that area again. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 you know, a situation where, again, in order for that conversation to, rem- to, to emerge again, um, what we recommend is that you're sitting in front of somebody who um, is capable of asking those questions in a non-judgmental and safe way. Mm-hmm. And so if you started the conversation, let's say a year ago, Um, Mm -hmm. emphasizing that I'm not satisfied sexually. I want more of this and more of that. And hypothetically speaking, let's say it was a relationship where, you know, I'm in a relationship with my wife and I come to her a year ago and I say, I'm dissatisfied with our sex life, which I wouldn't say it that way, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm dissatisfied. I want more, um, more sexual satisfaction. I want more pleasure. I want you to do this to me. I want to experience this with you. And she does not respond favorably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a month goes by, two months go by, and I may possibly, depending upon my risk tolerance, mm-hmm. I may um you know seek to engage my wife again, but there may be some resistance. I might not want to be rejected mm-hmm. again, and so you know some more months go by, and eventually, we get to a point to where I'm more hesitant about engaging my wife around this topic um she may not even remember that this is such a significant issue because she's overwhelmed with daily routines um managing the household, the children, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so it's not a top priority in her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so eventually we find ourselves in a space where I'm frustrated and she starts to question, why am I so frustrated? Why am I mad all the damn time? Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be, you know, a situation where I come in a house and I really don't want to get her any time or attention don't necessarily want to engage the children. And Mm -hmm. so then her mind may possibly go back to the fact that I'm not getting none of what I wanted to get in the first place, which was, you know, sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as a result, she doesn't know how to bridge that gap because she's uncomfortable and unsure about how to re-engage me because it's been so long since we've been intimate and mm-hmm. so there's this big wall that's blocking the two of us from engaging each other and so we find ourselves sitting in front of a competent professional um, who can provide some assistance and so the way you re-engage that the professional just simply asks the question a lot of times people do intake assessments where your frequency and also the quality of sex um, is a question that has to be asked and then answered. And once it's answered, the professional takes it from there. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't equipped to engage in this area on their own because they've let so much time go by mm-hmm. without, um, you know, attempting to tackle this this really tough topic.
2: But the the key is of, of having a place of, of non-judgment, mm-hmm. you know, and and, mm-hmm. and having some structure around it. I think when folks just let it hang, they don't have any structure around how are we going to deal with this? It's just like when you and, you know, you ain't paid the IRS for 10 years and your bills is all over the place. Like mm-hmm. you can't just kind of mosey on back into that. You, you t- typically have to get a tax professional and you got to really sit down and focus on this thing because there's so much to consider. And um, mm-hmm. you need some structure around it. You need to meet with that tax professional every, uh, um, you know, every now and then to to make sure you get on top of it. So I think folks... Um, you know, when they get to this place, when they're with the counselor, they're really looking for the structure and they're looking for um, the the, the, the non judgmental space that's created, not just by us as the professionals, but to kind of lift that up because oftentimes they're feeling that from their partner, even if their partner isn't giving that to them, they're feeling that from their partner. They're not really sure how to be able to move forward when when they feel like they're being criticized or mm-hmm. they just have so much sh- shame about I haven't, you know, I haven't made myself available. And, you know, we've been married and we ain't had sex for four years. You know, that's mm-hmm. a rough thing to talk about.
0: Right. But then there's something that got them there in the first place, like you said, with the IRS at the point when it happened, that's when you can speak up and, and get something done about it. But if you let it uh, fester, then mm-hmm. it, it boils into, a, you know, where we are right now. So how do you begin that conversation? Because it, it's, it, it, you know, when they walk in and, and, and this is another thing and we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, at the top of this uh, conversation, so many people are afraid to go and get help because of the same reason for why they're in the situation that they're in. The the inability to seek support or help because of the shame, the guilt, the uh, mm-hmm. the, the potential for being judged and all of this gets factored in there. So even to get someone to a chair and say, okay, you know she said she was going to leave me or he said he was going to leave me if I didn't go get help you get to that chair how do you where do you begin with that non judgmental how does how do you get that person in that seat to make them feel like it's okay to be there and they are not going to be judged for what's going on with them
2: yeah so i think every therapist every professional has their own way of really engaging and connecting um in with their clients but one of the things that you learn when you're in school, um, and I remember, you know, focusing on this area and thinking to myself, oh, this is this is like the professional organized, researched, evidence-based way that um a lot of my family and friends and, and people that I know, we already do this anyway. But it's really called it's called engagement. It's called rapport building, it's called, you know, connecting in and knowing that there's a genuine connection, um, and then normalizing for folks what they're dealing with so that you can bring down the anxiety um, around this this whole sense, especially for people of color, that there's really something really bad that's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we know that folks uh, in in communities of color have a stigma already about talking to a professional. So when we are talking with folks, um, we are focusing on um, helping folks to drop their guard. Because we're um, partnered up, meaning that we're married in business, then Mm -hmm. we use our relationships Um, when appropriate, most of the time to let folks know we've been through some of these things. These are just some of the things we've been through. And Mm -hmm. we just want you to know that this is the norm, right? Like these are the things that you may go through. Everybody may not go through everything, but it comes with the territory. So that is helpful, I think, because we have a um, male-female dynamic that's also very helpful, particularly for men um, who oftentimes are more resistant um, to professional help. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And again, this whole piece around um, talking to people and helping them to know, like, um, hey, I'm I am here to support you, and that really and truthfully, there's nothing that you can say to me that is going to make me say, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something you can't you can't say it out mm-hmm. like that because, mm-hmm. but you you send that energy. And when I say, when we uh, talked about and learned this and. School And it's, you know, it's all about rapport building and, um, you know, kind of making sure that you're focusing on that person, matching with them. Um, you are uh, meeting them where they are instead of trying to attempt them to meet you where you are um, yeah. in terms of where you want them to go. Like that's the stuff in terms of my personal experience, um, being a black woman growing up in the church, that kind of thing. Like this is this is relationship building, connecting kind of stuff that I'm familiar with. So mm-hmm. you know, it comes down also to um cultural competency and, you know, those kinds of things. And and so that can be very difficult for people. And I think it it does highly um depend on the clinician, but I, I think that everybody would, would probably agree that really leaning in, building the rapport, kind of making folks comfortable. And we do that by simply saying things like we only have one rule. The one rule that we have is everybody has to keep a 100. So
1: Mm -hmm. if there's something that
2: we're saying and you think that that makes no sense, it makes no sense for you to be done with the session and then say to your partner, you know what he said, that was just like that had, that just made, was so dumb. That that doesn't make any sense at all. Like you can share that with us because we're not here to um, necessarily teach you. We're here to Mm -hmm. to help unfold some things, right? Because Mm -hmm. most folks, already have what they need. They already have mm-hmm. it inside, but, but they've kind of tucked it away. So creating that comfortable, um, structured, safe space, normalizing for folks by telling them some of the statistics around um, the numbers of people who deal with this and that couples uh, typically are very isolated because we do not talk about some of the things that we're dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. Women come together. And we know that women come around kitchen tables and, um, you know, have little um, wine get-togethers and book clubs and talk all day
1: men mm-hmm. may go
2: to the bar and um, or to you know a sports event or what have you and connect but couples when they when they're having issues or they need outlets they're less likely to find themselves with other couples I mm-hmm. mean um, if they are they're, they're very very guarded about what they're going to share so we right. had to kind of up uproot that stuff so we can let folks know hey everybody's dealing with the same stuff so mm-hmm. we can get that out the way. You can you can release all that judgment because we're not
0: here to do that. I mean that helps people considerably. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've heard over the years is that person goes and makes that initial step to talk to someone. Then they feel really really great. I, I can't imagine going coming to a, a conference uh, session with the two of you and not feeling. Good about myself, just about what you just the way you put it i I feel like I could be comfortable and at home with you in a setting around what it is that that's going on with me with myself, and so they get up, they leave, they get in the car, they're on their way, and they're driving home. then that one partner can start to hold totally kind of what just dismantle everything that just happened how do you talk to both of them to be able to help them to hold each other in this vulnerability after the conference after the first session after that session you know cuz it's easy to walk right back into the same thing you start judging you get scared again all these kinds of things how do you help people to 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 take what you give to them and not completely dismantle it when they get away from you you
1: know yeah Yeah, so one of the things that we always suggest to um, couples is that when they enter into our space whether it be in our physical space or even virtually because we do sessions virtually is that after the session is over um, in the session we're simply visiting these areas of tension these areas of difficulty and conflict um, but you visit those spaces and you don't dwell there Mm -hmm. and so when it's over it's over so we park it um, and we oftentimes attempt to um, close couples out to some degree on a positive note, but you know, on an, in an affirming way. And mm-hmm. so, when you leave the session, it's not to say that you always feel good, um, but you know that we visited this place of difficulty for a moment. And this moment of difficulty does not necessarily have to define the entirety of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Even this experience of being a sexless relationship, our relationship is way is about way more than just sex. And so, yeah. don't let this this situation or this issue color or jade our perspective on the entirety of our relationship because we got way more stuff going for us that may be positive than this area right here that's tucked away in the corner. Mm-hmm. And and
2: um, honestly, um couples typically that's one of the first things we have to focus on with them because I would say the great majority of couples, um, and I think this is a a human thing, they focus so much on the negatives and what they don't have going for them
0: mm-hmm. um
2: that we have to spend, spend a considerable amount of time uh helping them to uncover what do you have going for you what Mm -hmm. what do you have and what does your partner bring what do you bring what uniquely do you all when your uh, energy is mixed up together bring to the world and and so we we help them to understand that it's a a discipline it's a learned thing to focus on the negative which we know creates more negative because then your your brain starts to look for that and it's also a discipline to focus on what's working well to focus on connection to focus on love, how you can be of service in your relationship, even in the midst of agitation and irritation, that's a discipline. So that is also something that we we don't just you know share that with them, but we task them with that. But now, mm-hmm. this is a new discipline you have to develop because it's a part of um, why uh, folks find themselves in the chair to begin with, which which mm-hmm. is that they're they're not having the right outlook, you know, the mm-hmm. the glass half empty, if you will, versus half full.
0: Right. Okay, good. Then that brings me to the difference between love, sex, and intimacy because they're three different things. So, love is not sex, sex is not love, love is not intimacy, and love is not sex. So, how, where, how, where do you begin? Because I think a lot of times people so associate sex with love. And that it I mean, they, they work in conjunction with each other, but I mean, how do you, how do you fix that? Because sometimes the expectation is, and it depends on how you grew up and how you learned about what love is and how you learned about what sex is and how you learned about what intimacy is, you know, that, that is, that is what you take with you when you enter into a covenant with somebody, or even in just a committed relationship, period, You know, because people can have sex and not be in love at all. So how do you break all of this down so that people have a good understanding of the three? Talking about relationships, we're talking about sexless relationships in this particular episode. Stay tuned. We have a part two coming up. (laughs) You're going to be hearing (laughs) from Yana and say Maya, and they are wonderful therapists. They're going to be sharing more information with us. Stay tuned for part two. I'm Monique Walker, your podcast host. Thank you so much for joining The Brush. Keep up with The Brush on Instagram and Facebook at The Brush Lounge. Also, check out The Brush Lounge community at www.thebrushlounge.com.